0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com.
0: Welcome to Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, with host Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here are your hosts, Terry and Kristen.
2: Hi everyone, this is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez and I am hosting this week's show. And I am just so excited to have the two guests that we have today. The first one is Nicole Birkins who is the founder and director of the Horizon Development, uh, re- <laughs> I'm having a hard time this morning, sorry, uh, Center. Uh, and a limit, and she's also has a limited, uh, licensed psychologist, um, in her PhD. She, more importantly, though, what I'm excited about with Nicole is she actually won Best Therapist for 2011 um, for Autism One, so congratulations to her on that. And our second guest is uh, Kathy Darrow, who was also nominated as Inspirational Parent and also um, is an RDI consultant. So we have both you guys here this morning, bright and early here on the West Coast. So I apologize for my, my tongue-tying this morning. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks
3: for having me, Kristen. I apologize uh, in advance. I'm getting over a bit of a summer cold here, so um, hopefully my voice will last for the show, but thank you for having me.
2: Oh, no. Um, Well, I am just just so tickled to have both of you guys on. I saw you guys both at Autism One, and um, I mean, you know, RDI right now seems to be just everywhere I go, everybody's talking about RDI. And before we really jump in, I think I'd love for people to hear both your backgrounds. So we'll start first with Nicole. Nicole, can you just give people a little bit about your background, you know, where you came from and why you're so passionate about what you do? Sure, absolutely. Um, I started out
3: actually in the public schools working as a special education teacher. Never actually knew that I would end up in the field of autism. Um, Sort of ended up there by accident early on in my teaching career and fell in love with working with the students um, and their families and Um, you know, the staff at the schools and and helping to meet their needs. But after a few years, realized that while I could make some impact teaching um, these kids in my classroom, I really felt more of a pull to be getting more involved with the family end of things. I saw that there were a lot of supports and things that families needed that were not in place for them, and so became passionate about, um working with uh families and their kids in in the community. So um, moved into doing some consultation work, both uh still in the schools, um, helping them to meet the needs of these students, and there's more and more of them um every year who have these kinds of needs, but then working primarily with families. And uh along the way then opened my own private practice um, which is very family focused. We use a developmental um, relationship based family-oriented approach to treatment for um, children of all ages, birth all the way through adulthood, and uh, earned my PhD in clinical psychology then along the way. So I'm kind of uh, a little bit unique in that I started out in education and then shifted over to psychology, but the combination of those two things, I think, gives me a really unique perspective, um, a holistic perspective, I guess, of, of the needs of these kids and of these families. So I'm currently then in private practice. I have nine staff uh, here with me, and we are beyond blessed to be able to work with um, all of the families that we work with around the world who have kids with not only autism spectrum disorders, but um, all kinds of other related issues. So um, that gives you a little bit of my professional background, and, and personally, I'm uh, married and have four kids ranging in age from four to 11, so I kind of... Uh, I'm living the parent end of things as well.
2: Oh, my goodness. And, and where, again, are you um, based out of? Um,
3: we're located in the West Michigan
2: area. And um, I think I butchered the name of your place. Can you please let people know? Oh, yeah. The
3: name of the clinic is the Horizons Developmental Remediation Center. Or We just go by Horizons Center for short. Perfect. And then what is your website? Um, the website is
2: www.horizonsdrc.com. Perfect. Well, my gosh, I mean, we're so lucky to have people out there like you that are so passionate to want to be part of this, I mean, because, you know, a lot of us as parents, we didn't sign up to be part of this, and, you know, we jumped in and rolled up our sleeves, and we're in this community, so I think it takes a lot, um, it says a lot about somebody who chooses to be in this community um, for outside reasons, so, you know, as a parent, thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, and I I think that the parents that are in this
3: community are just some of the most amazing um, people out there and aren't given enough credit by most professionals for what um, what you all get up and do on a day to day basis for your kids? So um, I, I kudos to to all of you who are living this life with your kids day in and day out.
2: Well, it definitely takes a team, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, now uh, talking to Kathy, um, you know, and I've, if you, I know Kathy and I, you and I have talked on. Um, we have another show we do on Autism One, um, and um, you know, every time I talk to Kathy, I swear I get so, I'm just so impressed. And so, but I would love oh. the listeners to hear some of your background. Great. Great.
4: Well, my background, I have a background in business. And so what happened was I became a mom and I wanted to spend some time with my children. So um, after my second child was born, he was diagnosed with PDD-NOS when right before he was three years old. And so I kind of came into the autism circle kicking and screaming. Um, but like so many of us parents, we we buck up and we know what we have to do for our children. And then I was feeling so good that I had another child, and he was diagnosed with severe infantile autism. And so by this time, you know, I, of course, was, went headfirst into finding out all I could about how to help my children, just threw myself into that and left a career behind and concentrated on my family and my children. Um, So what happened was as I went through that entire process, I learned, you know, I made some mistakes along the way. I learned what could be helpful for my own children and what, you know, I can improve on. And in that process, I came across an intervention called Relationship Development Intervention. And what I loved so much about this was it was very empowering to me because what happened in the beginning of my journey was I felt so ripped off as a parent because I had a lot of therapists come in and they were great. They were awesome. But I just wanted to spend that time with my child and I wanted to connect with my child and I just felt like that wasn't getting done. So what I loved about RDI was, when I learned about it, is that it was very parent-focused. It empowered me to be able to know exactly how to interact with my child and really was just instrumental in the success of both my children. Both my children are doing fabulous, and so it doesn't matter that their diagnosis, you know, the autism spectrum, I know a lot of people like to say mild or severe, but my children are doing great. And so what I wanted to do as a mom who has been through the journey and has seen such incredible results is that I wanted to then pay it forward and, you know, go and help other families do the same thing. And so I went and I became an RDI consultant. And so now I have a practice. Um, it is autism remediation for our children. And I am just so thrilled to be able to educate parents on just how to help their children. And I am just beyond thrilled that I get to, you know, it's such a high when you see progress with your own child. And now I get to relive that over and over again with, with families who are going through the same thing, you know what that I went through years ago. So I'm so excited to be able to do that. As you know, it's not a job for me; it's a passion. And so I'm just thrilled to be able to do that.
2: And you're and you're based out of uh, New Jersey.
4: I am based out of New Jersey.
2: And you travel around the country, correct? I do. I I have families from all over.
4: Um, you know, very exotic places too. <laughs>
2: I and remember so, Facebook you were in Hawaii not that long ago. So I wasn't gonna play, Kristen, but <laughs> well I am so, yes. I'm so excited for the listeners to really get to hear about RDI because um it seems to me that, you know, we're forgetting about relationships and we're forgetting about everything's always about the goals and you know, checking off the IEPs of, you know, you know, can they add one plus one or can they, you know, are they potty trained? Are they um you know, everything's about you know, what they can do, but they forget to ask. Um, they Really, I feel like the goals really need to be of, you know, what are they doing when it comes to a peer and that social interaction? Because if you can't have a friend, I really don't care if you can add one plus one. And, yeah, that's right. And so, um, you know, I love relationship um, programs. Like if as, as any of you guys know my background, uh, you know that that's what I've done with my son, not RDI, although I'm learning more about it. Uh, We've done a lot of Sunrise, which is also a relationship-based program. Right, absolutely. And so, um, you know, and I just feel like a lot of times people forget that we, you know, we have to be our kid's best friend before we can ask them to have best friends, right? Yeah,
4: that's right.
2: Well, and from a developmental standpoint, Kristen, that
3: is right on the mark. I mean, it, it makes sense sort of from an intuitive relational standpoint as a parent that, you know, kids' first relationships are obviously with their parents and with other primary caregivers. But even deeper than that, it's the relationships and the interaction that children have with their parents and other key you know, uh, adults who are in their life from very early on that form the foundation for all of the other relational abilities, cognitive abilities, communication abilities that come further on down the line as kids grow. And so when those relationships aren't put first and foremost as the most important thing to develop those um, beginning foundations, really, none of the other things can appropriately fall into place. So what you can get is this sort of skill development, like you, you mentioned, you know, ticking off the things on the the chart, can they say this, do this? But you don't get this whole picture of development unfolding the way that it was meant to unfold in the way that it needs to unfold for kids to go on to truly be able to have the kinds of friendships and interactions and conversations and, and lives that we want them to be able to have. So, yeah, that relationship piece is just so critical.
4: And that is what happened with my first child. You know, I was so used to checking off those skills, and it came to the point where he was seven years old, and he, had, he was so smart. You know, this is not autism. Is not about how smart our child, our children are because they are extremely intelligent. But he was, and he was so smart, but he was so confused when it came to understanding his social world and how to connect with people. And he was so confused on understanding that other people have perspectives. And that was one of the first things that I saw. I was like, wait a minute! I thought that I did, you know, something that was good for him, but. But going back and understanding that the relationship piece is the crucial part to build upon was huge in in my own family's life.
2: Absolutely. And when we come back, we will pick um, up about how important relationships are and what we can do right now to help our children today. We'll be right back, you guys.
5: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carroll's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope. With your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, and I am hosting this week's show. Uh, Terry will be back next week. And it has been my great pleasure to be talking to Nicole Birkins, who um, happened to be the winner for the Best Therapist of, for the Autism One Awards that we just had, and to Kathy Darrow, who was also nominated as an inspirational parent and also an RDI consultant. So we have been talking, you know, about RDI and relationships before we went to break. And, you know, guys, this is such an important topic that so many parents out there, I mean, as a mom myself of a little guy, With autism, I mean, the number one thing I want is to have a relationship with my son. I want to be able to understand what he wants. I want him to enjoy the things that I like to enjoy. I want to experience the things he likes and to be able to have that back and forth. And so, you know, RDI is so exciting to to learn about. If I was a parent at home right now and let's say I've never heard of RDI, how would you guys describe that?
4: Well, I would describe it as, you know, RDI is a family-based intervention that works on remediation through understanding that while our kids are incredibly smart and skilled, they're very weak in understanding things like you were talking about, you know, communication, their social understanding, perspective taking. So RDI is so rooted in relationships, and we believe that first and foremost, that connection must be made to continue to remediate. And by remediate, I mean to to remedy the situation, to remedy the misunderstanding that our children so struggle with and not just kind of, you know, some mainstream interventions may try to just work around it or, or try to do something to, um, you know, try to get the child to do something else. But RDI, we want to get to the core of the issue. We want to remediate the obstacles of autism so that our children can effectively be restored with their developmental milestones. That, that is what's so unique about RDI, it's, it's the only program that looks at these developmental milestones of a typical child and, you know, we say in, I mean, I say in RDI that typical children show us the way, you know, they mirror how we should help our children. So, if you look at typical children and their development and then you try to help our children through that example then it really helps our children progress and it fills in their developmental gaps, you know. Um, so I I think that, you know, for, uh, to give an example, if you look at eye contact, we, we want our children so desperately to look at us, but that's rooted in development even before one year's old. So when we have a child who's not looking and we think to ourselves, okay, we have to get them to look at us, that's still about relationship. That's still about thinking that, that that milestone has not been met yet. So that is how RDI looks at how to help children with autism through developmental model and not so much just trying to get them to do something.
3: Well, and, and I think, you know, I, w- I would piggyback onto that by saying that one of the things that RDI does so well is it, it really breaks down the developmental pieces that fall into place in the first years of life that set the stage for all other learning. And I think why a lot of mainstream approaches have kind of gotten um, stuck a little bit around specific outward um, behaviors that kids exhibit like giving eye contact or taking turns or you know saying words or things like that is because those are the visible things that we see um, kids doing and we think, well, kids need to do that and, and that's true, But what we fail to do a lot of the time is recognize the intricate little pieces of development that happen particularly um, between birth and two years of age that set the stage for all of those other skills being meaningful. And I think um, what has happened through RDI is it's really broken down what those pieces are, made them explicit. that therapists and parents can really understand what those pieces are and how they need to be in place in order to make speech meaningful, in order to make, um, you know, conversations meaningful, in order to be able to have friendships and relationships with other people. Um, So to me, that's one of the real gifts that the RDI program brings to families and and to professionals and and to the field is breaking down all of those small components that we know what needs to be worked on in order to lay those foundations because those foundations are so important. You can teach a lot of skills, but if you don't have those foundations in place, then you're really going to have problems with things being meaningful later on. So um, that's just another piece I wanted to add, Kathy, to what you were saying.
2: Oh, absolutely. And it's almost as though, because I know some of the other therapies out there, you know, are, um, you know, they work and they work for what they're meant to work for. I guess is the best way I can yes. describe it. Um, and so sometimes we see children becoming robotic in yep. certain ways. And I don't believe, you know, that. Being robotic is a symptom of autism. I believe that is what we've trained our children to do because, and that's what I love about relationship programs such as RDI because it's not about learning how to put on your jacket. It's about knowing that it's cold outside and I need to put on my jacket. Yes. And so, um, and that's what I think. There's a lot of times people will tell me that's the piece that their children are missing. And sometimes I hear people say, well, my child almost recovered except for they're not social. However, when I think of that, and I'm glad that, you know, they're meeting all the little checkpoints, whatever they're trying to meet or whatever their goals are, but to me the core of autism is a social developmental disorder. And so when we're looking at the social aspects of your child, I mean, you know, I think one of you guys had said it earlier, it's not that our children aren't smart, our children are. Um, And so, you know, for them to pick up a skill of math or reading doesn't mean that they you know that's now going to take away the label it's about getting that friendship it's about understanding you know when i'm hungry you know to ask for food not knowing just because it's 12 o'clock it's lunchtime Mm -hmm. and that's right and and i hear that so much
4: kristen i hear oh he you know my child can do this and this and this but he just can't make a friend and you know any kind of understanding of relationships and friendship starts with having confidence in being able to share experiences within relationships. You know, if you think of yourself, we have memories of all of our relationships and we learn from them. We learn everything from our past relationships. And so we have that pool to, to draw from. And our children who struggle with understanding the social world, they've never felt confident in it because they struggle so much with that dynamic thinking that it takes to have, you know, a back and forth relationship. And, Our children, you know, through the RDI program can learn how to personalize information about their world and apply it to their thinking. You know, as we work on relationships, there's so much more, like Nicole was saying, with just breaking down all those intricate pieces. And what we do so naturally, our children need so much help with. But it's possible. It happens. Remediation is possible. I've seen it over and over again. You know, and our, our children desperately need this piece of the puzzle to help their
3: dynamic thinking. Well, and it's interesting, Kristen, what you were saying about how people will say, oh, well, you know, my child is recovered with the exception of, you know, the social piece. Right. Right. And, and I think that that's, it's a common um, misconception that a lot of parents and professionals have that the social piece is sort of um, the, the last piece to come into place. Like we work on all these other things. We work on all of these skills and then we work on social skills. And it's really a backwards way of thinking because what we know from the process of how typical child development happens, that the social piece, which really, I mean, social isn't even the best word for it. The relational piece is what comes first. And so I think in autism, a lot of the times we get it backwards and we put it sort of at the tail end of, okay, now this child is ready to work on, quote, unquote, social skills, when in reality, the real way that you develop thinking abilities, communication, social abilities, is by putting the social piece, the relationship piece first, because it's learning through other people that then drives the rest of that developmental process so I mean that, that's how I think of it that a lot of times it's, it's sort of backwards um, I don't know if the two of you um, find that as well but I think uh, we need to shift our thinking to putting the relationship piece the social piece first
2: absolutely oh, ab-
4: yeah absolutely I've had many conversations with many people doctors and and I've told them you know RDI or any social program first this is this is what we need this is if you look at typical development, that is what develops first. And, you you know, we don't have to worry about our babies getting skills and trying to get them to look at us. It's all a natural process. And so I find just turning the tide of thinking, you know, I enjoy doing it. I, I am passionate about being able to educate on turning that tide, and I think that's one of the things that has changed in the past 12 years since my first child was diagnosed with autism It's how people are really starting to understand that autism is not just a bunch of behaviors. It's not a behavioral disorder and that we can help our children, you know, understand that um, if, if if we concentrate on what they were lacking, just like with typical development, that is the basis. That is the foundation. And then anything after that, you know, can develop naturally as a typical child would.
2: Well, and I, I think it's the foundation that you guys were talking about before and it's like um you know, it's like when you're climbing that ladder, a lot of our children are missing a rung and so mm-hmm. if you can't go from, you know, when you're talking about being a baby and, you know, having that relationship and again it's not something that you know, that's not it's something that comes natural for us as we're parents I and mean, when we're looking at our child and we're saying goo go, gaga," and we're like picking them up and we're hugging them and when they cry we know that they, they're either hungry or they've gone to the bathroom or they want to be cuddled. And it's, that's just our instincts that tell us how to do that. And so, you know, when our child goes from, you know, really something, something's happened, you know, in, in their developmental model or their developmental milestones. And when we go from that to like now we're trying to teach them algebra. Yeah. And then, you know, and then later then say, okay, by the way, let me tell you, this is how we're friends. Uh, it makes absolutely no sense to me. But again, that's right. because I'm a strong believer on, you right. know, what relationship based programs are.
3: Well, and I want to, um, if I can just say something about that, I think um, I want to be really clear for parents who are listening that as a professional, I I know that you did all of those things with your child with autism, just like you've done with any other child that you have. And, and you did... Um, you know, build a strong relationship with them from the beginning. And you did those things that Kristen was just talking about and and cuddling and cooing at them and all of those things. So what we're talking about in terms of these developmental pieces that are missing from early on is not because of the parents' lack of doing those things. And I want to be clear about that because I think sometimes parents can feel blamed. Like, oh, well,
2: They're saying, I didn't didn't pick them up enough, I
3: didn't hold them enough. Right, and and that's not the case at all. What we have to remember is that with autism being a biological, um, neurological issue, that these kids have pathways in their brain that are not working as they should, and so they're not benefiting from these early experiences as a typical child would, and that's where the issue comes in. Um, So, you know, maybe we can pick up more with that after the
2: break, but I just wanted to be really clear about that. Absolutely. When we come back, we'll talk about what possibly could be triggering that, and um, again, different ways we can help through RDI. We'll be back in a moment.
1: Are you living your vital life? One that is showcasing you at your full potential? There are many issues that stand in the way of most people achieving their full potential. We will discuss these issues and how to overcome them each week on The Vital Life, Awakening Your Full Potential with host Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross. Living the vital life often requires that we trust our own intuitive voice and that we view illness or life challenges as calls to action to reconnect with the deeper urges of our spirit or soul. Tune in Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America
5: Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Welcome back to Autism One, A Conversation of Hope with your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here are Terry and Kristen.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, and I am hosting this week's show. Terry Aranga will be back next week. Um, If you happen to miss the Autism One conference that took place last month, I would highly, highly recommend everybody going to autismone.org and checking it out. Um, I know a lot of the presentations are available through DVD, and I'm not sure if Ustream is still up, but I know it was also available uh, through Ustream. And one of the people we have today is Nicole Birkins. I know her presentation is there. And we also have Kathy Darrow. We've been talking all about RDI and how important the relationship piece is to our children. And before we went to commercial break, we were talking about um, different ways um, of possible triggers that happen, why our child might have missed that milestone. So I'd like to pick back up there, you guys, um, where we left off. Absolutely. I was saying before the break
3: how, you know, parents when when their children are young, um, you know, give them all of the stimulation and interaction that just intuitively comes to you as a parent. But when you have a child whose neurological pathway gets set sort of in a different direction due to autism or really, um, you know, another type of neurodevelopmental disorder, you have a child who's not benefiting from and and receiving the input and and the interaction in a typical way. And you know it's interesting, we've been talking about a lot of the strengths of these kids, um, you know, in the intelligence level and so many of the things that come very quickly to them and that they can do. And what happens is it's sort of like the parts of the brain, the connections within the brain that are really good with those pieces types of information are functioning really well. And the parts of the brain and the connections that are needed for managing relational, interpersonal, that more dynamic, changing, fluid kind of information are not as strong. Um, And so it's really important that through the interventions that we're using, that we're focusing on strengthening the neurological pathways that allow for um, the, the processing, the making sense of that more dynamic information. Um, and let's face it, human beings are dynamic, right? We're always changing. We're Try never it. the same. Um, and, and so building those flexible, dynamic pathways so that kids can make sense of um, the non-factual uh, things that are going on around them, that, that's really what we're talking about with intervention. That's really what RDI strives to do is to help create strong neural connections for being able to process dynamic information and starting with the relationships between parents and their kids because that's how those neural connections first start to develop.
2: What would be a typical um, activity I guess then would be to help with those connections that you're speaking of? Kathy you want to take that or you want me to? I'm Sure. I mean,
4: any activity. You know, I get the question a lot. What does RDI like look like? You know, yeah. how do you work on RDI with your child? And you know, as parents, we, like Nicole was saying, we are we are good guides to our typical children. And you know, when when our children are kind of set off in a different path because of autism, we start to not know what to do with them. We're we're kind of unsure. So. You know, something that we could do is something simple like drinking, you know, from a cup. There's so many dynamic functions you would be, you would be fascinated on how much thinking you can create when both of you are drinking from a cup together. You know, if you have a cup and your child has a cup, you can frame that action, you can frame that, you know, activity to to try to get your child to really think what you're going to be doing next. Are you drinking slow? Are you picking the cup up fast? Are you picking it up slow? How much are you drinking? So much thought process goes into so many everyday things that we do. And so when I'm asked, like, what does RDI look like? You it know, look like how much time does it take? The great thing is that we put it in our everyday life, Anything we do in our life, we can do it with our child, and we can create more mindful moments for our child to be able to kind of look at the information. They're naturally looking at it in a very static way, and what we want to do is we want to turn it around no matter what we're doing, if we're drinking, if we're brushing teeth, if we're playing. We want to help our child to turn it around to be able to, think more dynamically, to not so much concentrate on the fact that me and mom, for example, are drinking something, but to concentrate on, wow, well, me and mom are really connecting with this, and not so much anything to do with drinking, but it's about the us instead of the actual activity that you're doing.
2: You know, it's interesting as you say that. Um, my background, for some of the listeners probably know, I don't know if you guys know, but um, I used to teach kindergarten and first grade. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things in my classroom um, was, and I remember getting in trouble for this every now and then by our director. <laughs> Because I um, and probably why I don't teach anymore, but <laughs> it's I would, okay. We like rebels. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and I always, you know, would always want to use the child's motivation, the children's motivation. And I, you know, I'm thinking about um, one of the times we were out and we were, you know, we have we have our, you know, our protocols that we're supposed to follow. Uh, that's man- mandatory for us. And science, of course, is one of them. And we were out, and I thought, well, gosh, let's get out. And it was about the earthworms and the dirt and everything else. And well, the kids were having so much fun and they were just enjoying themselves so much that they started telling each other about all the worms and the dirt and the soil and, you know, and it wasn't really, I didn't really have to do much more than to really get down with them and play. Yep. And I know it sounds really simple, but it was really, they could see that I was enjoying it and it wasn't even really about the topic. It was about being there all together. Yeah, and, right. and again, using that is really, it's really kind of a, um, a great tool because you know, we, it takes so much less work when, you, when you're doing it versus going, okay, this is a worm. What is this? This is a worm. What is this? This is a worm. And versus getting down and laughing and being silly and singing songs and, you know, and yet they all got it and they all understood it and it might not be what everybody thinks is so mainstream, but really it it should be. I mean, it's it also fascinating to me is that, when our kids become special needs, all of a sudden the whole motivation piece gets taken out. Yeah. <laughs> and they're the ones that need it more than anyone else. Well, it's and not even just the motivation piece. It's like when a child gets
3: labeled, particularly with the label of an autism spectrum disorder, it's like everything about typical child development gets thrown out the window, yeah. and suddenly we think this is, like, a totally different person on a totally different track, and we have to treat them in totally different ways and do all of these things that feel really counterintuitive to most parents yep. and, and to most people who are, you know, professionals who are grounded in, you know, principles of early childhood development, and and, you know, but because they have autism, we have to do all of these things, and it's like, no, we need to, they need even more of a developmental focus to help them fill in those gaps. So, yeah, I totally can relate to what you're saying.
2: Well, And I remember um, just not too long ago I heard, you know, a professional talking. I was somewhere doing a lecture and the professionals were talking kind of to the side and um, I heard them say, we just need to make it more tolerable. (laughs) And I thought to myself, my goodness gracious, like tolerable, really, because we want our kids to be mainstream. We want our kids be the best that they can be and not put limits on them, and I think that's what's so great about RDI um, and relationship programs because you're not, it sounds as though you're not putting limits. You're believing our kids can go anywhere and, you know, and really getting down and, you know, showing them, it's almost as though you are showing them the, um, the experience how great life can be. Would that be a great description?
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, and I think about making something tolerable, it's like, wow, that's a pretty awful quality of life isn't it no like kidding. i just want to make things tolerable and one of the goals of rdi and and i believe one of the goals that we should have for all kids who have these disorders is that they attain the best quality of life that they can attain and quality of life isn't about how many math facts you know or whether you were in a certain type of classroom or whatever quality of life is about your level of happiness, the relationships that you have, um, doing things in your life that are meaningful. And so, you know, boy, tolerable just feels so, ugh. Oh, and I I can so relate because I heard so many
4: different things, especially since I have, you know, an older child who was, you know, diagnosed 12, well, yeah, like 12 years ago, Um, you know... First, I was just told, "This is what you need to do, and then if if that doesn 't you know then then after basically you do that then that 's it that 's all there is. This is your end product and and you know i I just was so upset. I poured my heart into just everything for my children, and then to have someone just be like well that 's as good as it 's going to get you know this is you know he was about seven years old, and he, he had so many. Issues with behaviors and, you know, not understanding things. My heart breaks whenever I read about restraints and children wandering. You know, I can so relate. And he had so many obstacles and just to be told as a parent, well, this is as good as it's gonna get. You know, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking.
2: Well, what I find fascinating is when people tell us that's as good as it's going to get, I always wonder where their crystal ball is, because if they have one, can they give me the lotto numbers? Right. <laughs> because I, was like, I can't even tell you what I'm going to have for lunch today, let alone, you know, be able to predict a child's future at the age of 2 or 5 or 7 or even 17. Um, I just find that to be so ludicrous, and yet I hear it over and over and over again. I mean, it was told to me, it was told to many of my friends, it was told to the majority of us in the community, and I think that if the parents and the professionals that are listening right now, if you get nothing out of what you're listening, you know, just remembering that we are not God or whatever you believe, I happen to believe in God, but if whatever the higher power you believe in, we are not, you know, we, we don't have the power to control that, you know, and so we don't, we don't, we cannot predict the future, we cannot um, We cannot underestimate somebody, and I think that's what happens to a lot of our kiddos is they are completely underestimated, and, you know, I think what happens a lot of times, too, is then they start to they start to, it's almost like, okay, well, you don't expect me to do it, then I guess I can't. I mean, I've seen that with my own son. Yes. You know, um, where mommy, being me, seems to forget that, you know, he's getting older. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, you know, all of a sudden his daddy will come in and his dad doesn't understand that mommy always does that for him. And all of a sudden I'm like, what do you mean he can put his own shoes and tie them? I never do mm-hmm. that. And it's because daddy expected him to do that where mommy just you know he's my baby, and so right. and so I think it's you know even then that has nothing to do with autism. That just has to do with being a parent in yeah. general. Yeah. So you know I just think that's so. I think it's important for all of us to remember.
4: Oh, absolutely.
2: And I think that you know if
4: if you if you're hearing that, you know from whoever, don't listen to them because you know we as parents we are rebels. You know if someone's going to tell us we can't we can't do something then. That is what my driving force was. You know, I wasn't going to listen to it. I wasn't <laughs> going to say, okay, I'm done. I guess this is as good as it's going to get. It made me really say, no, this is my child. I'm, I'm the mom. I know we can do better. You know, to, to always cling to that hope. And, and that is something that, you know, just got me through it. And, and because of that, because of someone telling me this is as good as it's going to get, it made me say no and look to see what else there was. And honestly, that is what made me find RBI because I was looking. Somehow, you know, sometimes it's a good thing when someone tells us that we can't do something, you know, because then yeah. we're like, no, we can't.
2: Well, and, you we. know, I
4: know in this community, autism moms, oh, yeah, we rock.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and when we get back, Kathy, I want to make sure you tell the story that you told me once before, and I think that would be so inspiring for all to hear, and we'll be right back. Okay, great.
6: Calm.
5: Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen.
2: Hi everyone. This is Kristen Selby Gonzalez and I'm hosting this week and Terry Arango will be back next week. I've had the great privilege to be talking to Nicole Birkins and to Kathy Darrow. Um, and you know, we've been talking about uh, RDI and why it's so important to look at relationship programs such as RDI. Um, before um, we went to break, I had asked Kathy to tell her story that she had once told to me. Um, on one of the other shows I do on Autism One called Mommy Time. Um, But before we do that, um, I really think it's important for both Nicole and for Kathy to give your guys' websites because if I'm a parent sitting at home, I want to make sure I can find you guys, you know, find your websites and what tools you guys have to offer. So, Nicole, can you give us your information again?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have actually two different web resources I can give to people. My clinic website is um, www.horizonsdrc.com. Um, But a website that people might want to go to, I've got some free video resources and things on there, is actually autismtransformation.com. Um, just all those words together, autismtransformation.com. And on that website, um, I know we're not going to have a lot of time today on the show to get into strategies and things, but on that site, there is a free series of five videos that I have there that parents can watch that um, cover different techniques and strategies and things for parents to think about. Um, there's an email newsletter that people can sign up to receive. I, I write that every week with articles and things. So if people are looking for um, some resources to help them out, they can hop on there and and sign up for those, and we'll be glad to send them to them.
2: And you had said, Nicole, that you travel around the country as well, correct?
3: Yes. we. Um, our clinic has uh, families that live all across the United States and abroad. So we are happy to work with families regardless of the location.
2: Awesome. And then, Kathy, what's your information? Uh, my website
4: is www.autismremediationforourchildren.com, and that is where you will find information about the RDI program and what. You know the guided participation program looks like. I also have information on that website to go to a blog that gives strategies on how you can start implementing some simple strategies at home to try to build up your child's relationship, um, connection, and dynamic intelligence. And I also have a website that I'm putting together. I'm in the process, so it's not done yet. But there is a there are there are a few things on there. Um, It's www.rdi4autism.com, and that's going to reflect my passion for education. I want to so be able to have a parent go to a website and be able to compare, you know, what we're looking at with our children. You know, there, like you said in the beginning, Kristen, that, you know, there's a lot of therapies and some mainstream therapies that they do what they're supposed to do, and sometimes that's okay. You know, so I wanted to create a website to kind of compare the differences between those therapies and the ther- and, and RDI and just kind of be able to help parents get fully educated and make an informed decision for you know for their own family. Well
2: and I think that's important is just having options for families and that's my big thing is letting I never want to have a parent tell me when their child's fifty two that they didn't know the options that were out there. That's right. And so I think, and parents do know their children better than anybody else. And so guys, if you guys are listening and any of this sounds like something that would make sense for you to even just learn more about, I highly recommend going to the sites and, you know, it doesn't hurt anything. Go to the sites. There's free information there and, um, and utilize the tools that we have today. And I know we only have a few minutes left, um, but Kathy, I just really wanted you to tell your story. Um, One that was so inspirational to me, and I don't know if it's because my son is around the same age um, from when your son had this issue, but you said around the time your son was about eight, Um, what had happened for you? Okay, so when my son was eight, I had, like I had said, poured my heart into trying
4: to help him with autism. You know, we as parents... We, we do the best with what we know how. And so that is what I did and I was heartbroken, you know, to, to the point where he was, again, he was so smart and everything and, but he still struggled so much with thinking, with, with any kind of flexible thinking, any kind of sharing his experiences. I just wanted to hear him tell me how he felt. He struggled with any kind of reflection. He didn't understand how to take my perception and perspective. And, I was told that. Well, that, that's that's as good as it's going to get. You're not going to get anything more after that. And I was just so crushed. I was crushed. And and thankfully, that that made me just stand up and say, No, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to sit here and just accept that. And I started exploring what other options. That's probably again why I have such a passion for just educating on all the options for parents. And so through that process, I was able to to understand how to really help my child through remediation, through what we've been talking about here today, concentrating on that relationship piece. Again, like Nicole said, not that I did anything wrong when my son was little. I loved my son. I did everything I could. But because of his autism, he didn't understand how to connect with me. And so what I had to go back and do was to slow down and slow down my pace and make things very more deliberate so that he could understand you know the relationship piece and the connection piece with me, and because I did that, and because I started doing the program with RDI, that my son now is totally mainstreamed and he has friends how old and is he? he is doing awesome. I mean he's and how old he girlfriends and how old is he Kathy? He is 14 years old, and so he's like the typical teenager. He cracks me up. And, you know, when I think back on if I didn't do that, if I didn't give him that chance, the outcome would have been so different. And I am just so thankful for, you know, the process of trying to, you know, educate parents. And I really, you know, the outcome just would have been so different.
2: Well, what I love about the story, and for those listening, when she had told it to me before, uh, my son just turned nine, and when she had said, you know, he's eight, he's plateaued. Uh, that's what they had told her, and that that was the best he was going to get. And I've heard so many of you guys telling me, you know, because many of us have been working with our kids at a very early age that are in the community, and I've been working with my son, you know, since he was two and a half. And so to hear, you know, imagine working with your child since around two and a half or three, and then at eight be told, okay, that's it, that's where it's going to be. And, again, it goes back to hearing it from the very beginning that our kids or never gonna get better. And yet for some reason at eight we're not sure if they're telling the truth or not because we've done right. everything. Mm-hmm. You know, are they gonna get better? We don't have that crystal ball, guys. Well um, and that's
3: why sometimes okay. I say that, you know, kids and families succeed in spite of the professionals out there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you well, know, and it's I, like and, and, and the thing that I the, the message that I wanna give to everybody who's listening is that the human brain remains malleable and plastic yep. throughout the lifespan. We have known that now from the neurological research, brain research, for decades. There is no point in time when the human brain stops learning, growing, forming new connections. Well, we know
2: people with strokes, right? Right, absolutely.
3: And so to say that a child at age 5 or 8 or 25 or whatever is not ever going to move beyond where they are right now is just a fundamental misunderstanding of how the brain works. And I really think that's a message that parents need to hear um, and it allows them to say back to professionals who tell them things like that, well, the human brain never stops learning and growing. There is always the potential for increased growth, for increased learning, for moving beyond where we are today.
2: Oh, absolutely.
4: And what's so great about relationship development intervention is even after that relationship piece, is you know, after I got that connection, after I, after I was able to reach into my son's world and we connected and we had that back and forth, then I took it to the next level with the dynamic intelligence curriculum, that you know I was able to implement through, you know, very precise objectives, systematically going through not only birth to one years old, but one years old, two years old, three years old, four years old, five years old. Yes, I went through the terrible twos a little longer than I wanted to, but you know it, that's what's so fascinating is is the, the relationship piece, the connection, and then after that there is
2: the whole curriculum that we take our kids to peer level or to the best that they can go well i think we're so lucky to have people like you nicole as a professional out there working with our kids and you as well kathy i hope you guys will come back and join me again i'd love to go over techniques in our next time together and um thank you all for listening and remembering guys progress for one of our kids provides hope for all and just never give up thanks again guys bye-bye thank you thank you
0: Ensa Medica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a Conversation of Hope. For more information, go to Autism One.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope, with hosts Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez.